Welcome back to another episode of the Hyrule Report, man. We're here. We're here. Here to talk some basketball, man. I'm glad. Episode number three. As usual, here with the same cast of characters, Kevin Chris. We're going to get into some hot takes today, some basketball recaps, as well as some of the some ideas. But we'll get into that later on. But first, let me introduce the guys. How you guys been? It's been a while since we've spoken. A lot has happened. Kev, tell us about it. Almost a week in, back to the NBA season. It's good to be back again, as always. Consistent content coming to you two times a week. I'll always be here. Um, likewise with my co-host, so let's get straight to it. All right, all right. Chris, what have you been up to, man? Talk to us. Watching basketball as usual, man. Real hoop fans. But, um, yeah, man, I'm glad to have this discussion. You know, kind of break down what we've been seeing so far um, and give a little preview of what we think is going to happen uh, in the coming weeks, but it's crazy. It's only it hasn't even been a week of basketball yet, and it feels like basketball has been here, and that just speaks to the quality of the game. So, I'm happy. All right, yeah. I mean, I'm happy too. Like, I mean, like basketball, it's a slow time right now. Like, not a lot of things are happening. I don't have cable, so I'll be streaming. So, the NBA games are at least keeping me entertained at nighttime, for lack of a better word. But let's get into it. Um, so first topic of the day. Uh, so as we know, the NBA pause and then resume later on due to the whole COVID-19 situation. So a lot of teams um, either benefited or lost as a result of that. So I guess my first question to you guys that I'll pose is who do you feel like is, who do you feel like has gained the most or lost the most or both um, as a result of the season being postponed and then resumed? Um, I'm going to shoot it to Kev first because he did introduce the topic. So Kev, take us in. What do you think? Who's your winner? Let's start with that. Yeah, we can start with winners. My big-time winner, huge winner, Kyle Lowry. Uh, we've seen in this play, coming back, big game against the Lakers, uh, played well against the um, – in that Sunday game. can't remember who they were playing. We played well. The reason why I picked Kyle Lowry as the biggest winner, I think he's going to be the biggest winner out of everybody is because prime Kyle Lowry has always been at the start of the season. As Raptors fans, we know – Come March, come April, it's time when Lowry breaks down. Just because he has chronic bash issues, which he's made clear, will never really get better. So we've kind of always seen a drop in play come towards the end of the season then trickle into playoffs. Right now, Kyle Lowry, we're getting prime Kyle Lowry, start of the season Kyle Lowry, right before the playoffs start. And I think that's going to be a big boost for the Raptors. And I think, aside from the Bucks, he could essentially be the best player in any series out East on any given day. So it's an exciting time. And I think it's kind of just something I seriously observed just watching the play and look to, and watching how he looked and just knowing his splits, knowing what his start looks like compared to his finish. And the fact that we're getting a season restart kind of gave him that time to, you know, heal up, get right. And we're going to see the best Kyle Lowry going forward. I don't think we'll ever, I think we're going to get the best playoff performance from Kyle Lowry just based on, you know, the rest he's gotten. Yeah, I agree. I had Kyle Lowry as my indiv- – sorry, I had the Raptors as my overall team that won as a result of the resumption of the NBA just because I feel like, yeah, going to your point, it was mainly based on the fact that Kyle Lowry always breaks down on us. Like, it's a fact. You can count on it every March. He's going to break down. And besides last year, obviously, we won the chip. But years before, he's usually would never usually performed in the playoffs. So I felt like him getting that break along with the rest of our team getting that break and having the chance to kind of recharge um, really did work. Um, or would work in our favor moving forward. But as an individual player, I personally had Paul George as a winner for this bubble pausing and resuming just for the simple fact that 
the Clippers were established. They were going to make the playoffs, but he had nagging injuries like all season long. And I feel like just having that extra, I believe it was what, four months just to recharge um, is really going to do him justice. And as you see, he's been playing pretty well since the NBA has resumed. So I feel like he as an individual player um, has benefited the most as a result of the resumption or pause, I should say. But Chris, what do you think? Um, for me, it's it's uh, two people. Where it's two teams, but it's really um, centered around two individuals. So uh, my first one is Nurkic. I cannot believe, like, I don't know if it's modern medicine. I don't know if it's Nurkic who just took his rehab extremely serious. Maybe the injury wasn't as bad as it first appeared to be. Um, but when I saw it, it looked like the guy got shot in his leg, like lost bones and everything. Like he went down, down. So it's like for Nurkic to come back and to be basically off from playing basketball for a year and he comes back and he's he looks better than he's than he ever was. Like it's it's incredible to me. And it's just like the Portland Trailblazers legitimately look like one of the top 10 teams in the association right now. And it's just a shame, like, <clears throat> sorry, when they when it went down, like when the NBA went down, they had one of the softest schedules. So if, say for if the NBA didn't have the love affair with Zion and they gave them that type of schedule that the Pelicans had, like, who knows how far, you know, Portland could have climbed on the strength of having everybody healthy. They have Zach Collins now. They have Melo, who's, you know, <laughs> clutch Melo again, hoodie Melo live on the court. Like, and Nurkic, that's just a superstar. Like, he's blowing my mind. Pause. But um, the next team that I want to shout out is a team that actually is going to end up, in my opinion, grabbing that grabbing that slot. At least that's how it looks right now, being the Suns, the Phoenix Suns. It's incredible. Like, they've always had the talent to do it, um, the talent to at least get into the playoffs. Like, we always looked at Devin Booker saying, you know I what? I beg to differ. Like, I don't know if they always had the talent. Let's keep it on. But no, no, I'm saying, no, no, I'm saying this year. Like, coming into this year, we looked at Devin Booker saying, yo, it, it's time to not be a loser anymore. Like, I understand in past years you didn't have the players. But now you have Ricky Rubio. They gave you a point guard this time. You have a center a center this this time that can score. That's that's defending right now. Like he's actually out there defending. You have wing players in Kelly Uber, even though he's not in the bubble right now. But he had a Kelly Uber. He had a, a a Miles Bridges. So it's like, all right, you have talent there. It's up to Booker to do it. And right now, Booker is doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like he beat the Wizards. That's the Wizards. Me, you, and Kev can probably beat the Wizards. But then he goes and beats Dallas. And then he goes, and we all seen what happened on Monday. Or Tuesday, we all seen what happened. Clutch, clutch book. Book said book him. Like he said book him. Wet like I'm book. Like Devin Booker, good job. Keep it up. Get your team in the playoffs, man. Like it's time. I'm trying to see you. I know you may not win the series. More than likely you won't. I just want to see how you adjust and adapt to playoff defense. That's it. All right. So a lot of things I want to get to. Chris mentioned the um the Trailblazers. Those are my that was my biggest winner in terms of a team. Uh, Nurkic, what Chris was saying, I think Nurkic did his time. Like, his injury was bad, but he also missed over a year of basketball. And he, when the season ended, he was on the verge of, like, completely returning. So, I'm not shocked that he's back. I know I, I expected a bit more rust, um, but I think he missed his time. As a team, as a whole, you're getting Nurkic back, you're getting Collins back. And you had Dame, who had got injured, uh, hurt his groin, and that thing takes months to recover. You can return to play much quicker than, you know, you actually get back to full health. And I think we saw, we've seen that. We've seen that before. We saw it with Pascal in the Raptors case. We saw that with um, 
Dame just now. Like we've seen it time and time before. We saw it with LeBron last year when he injured his groin. Yes, you can come back, but that full strength doesn't come back until you know months later. And Dame's coming back. That team's healthy. I think I think they have everybody. I don't think they're missing anyone at all. You have Gary Trent playing well. Um, well, yeah, they're missing guess, they're missing Hood, but then yes, they yeah, have yeah, they yeah. have Gary Trent basically is like right, right, right. and know, the, Trent's an yeah, absolute yeah. sniper. Um, to the next thing, Christian was Chris mentioned was uh the Suns. I I don't see them taking it over um the Blazers per se. I think to be honest. I think the Blazers are going to end up ahead of the Grizzlies. I think the Blazers are going to be in eighth by the time this is all said and done. And it's either the Grizzlies or our next team is going to be trying to beat them twice to make it into the playoffs. Uh, Grizzlies are shot. Losing Jaron Jackson Jr., um, dropping games that are supposed to be winnable, aside from that as well, like it does look good for them. And I kind of feel it for Jock because he was so good all season. And you know, as we get into it, now that I think about it, they might be one of the biggest losers. Um, just based on what we've seen so far and how they looked prior to things ending, but yeah, yeah. I, I go ahead, go ahead, finish. No, I'm good. I'm done. Go ahead, Robs. No, I was just gonna say I definitely pegged them as my biggest loser just for the simple fact that, like, we understand that they had a difficult schedule to finish the season, right? And again, the NBA tried to mimic that as best they can, aside from the Zion bias when they recreated the bubble schedule. However, like. There's certain things that you can't account for. Like, momentum is a real thing, right? Like, they had Extremely the momentum. Real. Yeah, Extremely they had the eighth real. place. They they had continuity. They are playing relatively well, considering the talent that they had on their team. And, like, I'm not going to say that they were solidified in the eighth seed by any means, but they had definitely had the leg up on Portland. They had the leg up on Phoenix, Pelicans, so on and so forth. And they had the momentum, right? I'm not saying they would have finished like that, but they definitely had the momentum. So I feel like they here's definitely a, lost out. Here's the thing, though. Like, at a... At a distance they do look like one of the biggest losers but if we like rewind back to you know march i'm pretty sure jaron jackson was also injured at that time and i'm pretty sure brandon brandon um what's this guy's name again brandon clark was also injured at that time like they had injuries that they were dealing with brooks was also banged up at that time so like yeah they had the momentum because they were in the eighth seed and they were feeling good and jaw was playing well um, but at the same time, like they were still dealing with injuries at that point too. And as you said, they were about to hit a rough, you know, patch in the schedule. So, you know, I think it's it's more unfortunate than it is them being losers in a sense. Like I think but it's I feel just like a that's sad one of story. the same thing. That's one of the same. Yeah, being... that's one of the same thing. Like that's just, that's the same thing. I'm not saying like I'm not necessarily looking at this and saying, all right, there has to be a it has to all make sense. If you guys understand what I'm saying, I'm just saying, like, I'm looking at it and saying, all right, which teams, when the season ended, what, what, how did I look at you? What did you look like? And now when we're returning, what do you look like now? And, yes, they got a lot of players back. They got healthy. But as Rob was saying, that momentum is no joke. And when I get into one of the players, when I get into some of the players that I think are the biggest losers, I'm going to mention momentum again. Like, when you're playing well as a team or as an individual, like, that thing that carries over that confidence when you have to stop for four months and come back, especially a young team, right? We're not talking about a veteran roster. We're not talking about, you know, the the Raptors, the Lakers, the Clippers, those veteran teams, even the Rockets. We saw the Rockets being like kicked it up a notch since they came back. Relatively the same exact team. So for me, with a very young team, I think momentum and just having that confidence that you know you were beating teams night in night out. Now we're coming back, and that first loss hurt. Now next one. Now it's just adding up, and now you lose Jaron Jackson. Like, to me, that's just a loss. 
however, whichever way you, you know, you add it up. Uh, quickly, before we get into, you know, more into the loser category, I would be remiss if I didn't bring up Bubble TJ or Bubble Warren, whatever you want to call him. That guy is a demon. I don't know what happened to him. I don't know what he drank. I don't know what he did. Bubble Warren is a real thing. Like, this guy is out there with one turnover and, like, 170 points. <laughs> like, 60% threes, 69% field goals. Like, you can't get harder than how he is right now. So you just – it's crazy. MVP of the bubble so far. Um, hopefully he can keep it up. I would love to see him keep it up because, you know, there is no Sabonis. But if, if this is how TJ Warren is going to be moving, shout out to him. Let me, let me see. He, like, I'll say this. I'll say this. Right? And this goes back to my point of we have to recognize – who, who these players are. TJ Warren has always been a bucket. Absolute bucket. An efficient bucket at that. Absolute yeah, but it's, bucket. Yeah, yeah, no, but no, it's no, how no, he's, it's back how, back. no, it's how no, he's no, getting them. No, no but he's That's always what, done He's this. always been that guy, but he's volume, never had the opportunity, though. No, not at this volume, Ross, I'm let you finish, not at this volume, but he's, this is him. Low turnovers, absolute efficiency across the board. His shooting was a bit wacky to, to you know, his first couple of years in the league, but, this is been Yo, who he the is. Guy, the guy's hitting four threes a night right now. Right, I know, <laughs> like, I understand. I'm just saying. This like, is TJ Warren. We're talking two I, years ago. No, no, he wasn't even hitting Warren one. TJ Warren is a bucket. That's that's all I know. So, okay, he's hitting four threes a game, but uh, this guy putting up these type of points that I'm seeing right now, no surprise to me. Robs, go ahead. That's what I'm saying. And like, really, I've been watching TJ Warren from when he went to NC State. Like, I've seen him. I remember watching him in summer league. He was a late draft pick in the first round. I understand who he was. He was the bucket. But the the thing about it is like. He's always been that guy, but I, don't, I feel like the problem was he's never got that opportunity. We never seen him really have the mantle of being that guy or having the offense ran through him. Because when he was in Orlando, sorry, when he was in Indiana, they had Depot and then they also had Sabonis, right? It was, he was always the one A or B player. Phoenix obviously didn't rate him that much because they traded him for cast considerations, right? So he never Absolute really had the fuckery. opportunity. Fuckery. Like they don't know what they're doing. But at the end of the day, he's, he's always had that capability, right? He didn't strike me as one of those guys that's efficient because he's playing within the offense. He just looks like he's an efficient basketball player. He knows how to get it done. And I, I, again, obviously these numbers are absurd. He's going to cool down, obviously. But this is not shocking to me what he's doing because I, but he's always been that guy. I'm not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying him scoring a bunch of points is the shocking part. But there's a difference between you being a bucket the DeMar DeRozan way and the way how he's doing it. That's two separate things. We're talking about a guy who's taking... 10 threes a game and shooting 60%. Like, that would be absurd if you're talking about a guy like TJ Warren two years ago. Absurd. Uh, I, okay, I, I understand what you're saying, but again, like, to me, that, that I know is going to cool off. But at the very, like, that three point shooter I know is going to cool off because no one shoots 60%, right? That I know is going to cool off. But at the very end of the day, when it all came down to it, whether you could shoot back then or you could shoot now, the man was an absolute bucket. So to me, I, I'm just not surprised still. I just think I'm happy for him though. You know, Indiana didn't give him this role by choice, but I think they found something they're going to realize. Listen, we got, at some point, we got to look at Indiana and look at the business they've been doing, right? They're not winning championships, but for absolute, for decades now, they've been turning the bare minimum. They've been doing shrewd deals and turning these guys into stars. And you have Oladipo that they got. They got Sabonis and Oladipo in the same trade. In a trade that they're supposed to lose, right, by having Paul George force his way out. And they got two basically all-stars out of that on team-friendly deals. And we know Indiana's reluctant to re-sign players and, you know, give players max money and 
all those things. But at some point, we got to look around and say, all right, these guys are doing serious business because you went out and got TJ Warren for cash considerations. And that's not a hindsight thing. That was ridiculous at the time because 20 points per game on 50% shooting doesn't fall off a tree. So, yeah, yeah, as you said, shout out to TJ Warren. Shout out to the Pacers front office as well because they've been doing some ridiculous business over the past few years. I think that goes unnoticed. It definitely does go unnoticed. It definitely goes when um I guess if we're just talking losers overall, like this is more of a personal thing. And like I know I, I seem like that guy, but this is personal, but the Wizards are bad. Like they're bad. And like I don't want to say that like this They okay, never I'm, had a chance, fam. No, no, they never had a chance. But like I'm looking at the roster and this is bad. Like they have a worse version. Even if they brought back Bradley Beal and John Wall, I feel like that team is still worse than the team they had two, three years ago when Otto Porter was there. Like, this team is bad. Like, I was watching them today, and I'm seeing Rui Hachimura, and he's bad. Ish Smith, bad. <laughs> like, the whole team is just bad. Like, Thomas Bryant is doing a one-two, but, like, we know he's not a good that player. That guy is bad still. He's bad. Hachim- <laughs> I, don't, I don't really understand the issue with Hachimura for a rookie. Like, I'm not saying he's a good player right now, but, like, in terms of what he's doing as a rookie, where he was drafted, like I think, like there's some promise there. I know you know people are gonna question his ability to defend, which is. Here's, here's my problem with Hachimura, because I watched him a bit in college. I'm not. I'm not gonna say I was a fan. I watched him a bit. Here's my problem with him: is that his game is not suited for the modern NBA, and even at that, I don't think he's good enough to warrant that type of play style. Like, he's a guy that likes to operate in the high post. He likes to take long twos. He's not strong enough to really bang in the post, and he's not hitting threes at a decent clip. But I don't think he's ever going to warrant the Jason Tatum isos, the DeMar DeRozan isos. Those guys have earned those, those shots, for lack of a better word. They've earned those. They've shown that they can make those shots. And granted, he is a rookie, so maybe he hasn't got the chance to show it. But he doesn't have that pedigree either. And it doesn't really necessarily mean he's going to get any better. He's already 22. He's an older player coming in. So how much room for growth is there actually? That's my issue with him. And when I just look at the whole Wizards roster, I'm just like, ew. Like, even if you guys had John Wall, which you don't know how he's going to come back and perform, I guarantee he's not doing 360s in games anymore, pinning guys on the backboard anymore. Bradley Beal's your best bet, and he might be on the way out. It's like, I just don't see what's going for you guys. And this bubble's just really opened my eyes. And that used to be one of my favorite teams. And it's just like, I look at them, I'm just like, ew. This team sucks. So ride for Um, your dogs. Yeah, but when it pertains to Rui, I agree with Kev because this is a guy that was drafted late lottery. And if you look at yeah, the numbers, he's he's shooting 47% from the field and he's at like 14 points, 13, 14 points a game with six, seven rebounds a night. Um, he's a top um, 10 as a pick. rookie. I'm just throwing out there, right? Eh? Okay, but yeah, as a rookie, nine. what are you he talking about, a rookie? He, what what like, was he like, sir? nine? Was as nine, a rookie? Right? Like, I, I don't know. How, ninth. My issue is, yeah, how can you look at ninth. a guy that's producing like that out of the ninth spot and have bad and like your overall thought about him is negative? Like at that yeah, ninth like, spot, you're not getting you're, you're not even supposed to be getting a start. And what he's doing at his at his position at his you know for what he was taking, like I I can't say anything I can't say anything bad about him overall, right? And like okay, he's gonna have he can't shoot threes, right? But Overall, I find it unfair to, to speak negatively about Rui But again, like, I don't want to spend too much time on the lowly wizard. So, I'm going to get into my losers. My biggest losers are Jason Tatum. For me, the way he was playing at the stoppage of the season, we're talking about a guy that was looking like a top 10 player in the NBA. And as we mentioned before, as I mentioned, momentum is a serious thing. And I think it's just... 
you wanted a guy like Jason Tatum to be able to ride that all the way into the playoffs, and this start, this stop stoppage in play, he can't get any better. Like from here, it's only like in terms of this one season, it's only a drop off. Like it's I can't see him coming back and replicating what he was doing before just based on the momentum that was lost. And you know, obviously Kemba was banged up at that point. He's kind of working his way back, but from an individual standpoint, I think it's it hurt him. Right, I think he'll be fine going forward. I think all the talent in the world is there, but imagine that Tatum that we saw in February, March. If that was a guy rolling into playoffs, I just don't think we're going to get that guy now, just because that two month, three month momentum where he got better every single month is just gone now. It's kind of just a new season starting over. Um, I I agree. I just don't know if I'm going to go as far as to say that he's a loser. Or not that he's a loser, but like that he he took some type of loss as a result of that because I feel like that was bound to happen, right? Like whether that was going to be in the playoffs or whether that was going to be towards the end of the season, like I felt like that was an unsustainable pace that he was playing. Well, not pace. He was he was playing at a rate in which I don't think it was sustainable for any player. But 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 again, what I'm saying is I'm not saying he was going to be dropping thirty every night and doing what he was doing, you know, in February. But what he was doing in March when he was averaging about twenty four and it was an efficient way, I just think. Coming back, yes, he was gonna. The the drop off was coming, but that drop off, dropping off from thirty to twenty five, is still elite company here, right? Now he's coming back and he has to restart all over again. We saw that bad game start the year, and you know he's played better since. Don't get me wrong, he's played way better since that first game. But that first game just kind of reaffirmed me because going into the restart, I had my eye on him, just saying, all right, you were you had all this momentum, you had all this hype around you, deservedly so when the season ended. What's it going to look like now when that momentum stops? You start from scratch. So I don't think I – I didn't expect him to average 30 for the rest of the year, but that 24-25, what he was doing on the court every night, night in, leading his team, I just think he – I think he takes a loss here. I don't think – I think that's undeniable, to be honest, in terms of if we look at him, did he win or lose? I think he took a loss. I would agree with you. Um as you said, like momentum, but for me, my loser, and it's not necessarily because um, the team got any worse. Um, it's just based on the bubble and what the result of us being in the bubble um, as opposed to what normally would have happened. So my loser is the Bucks. Um, like the Bucks, they were the dominant team in the league by far. Um, they, they're still to this day, the consensus pick to be in the NBA finals. But at the end of the day, they lost a big thing, which is home court advantage. Like they had that sewn up. And for a team like the Bucks, you know, home court advantage could end up or not having home court advantage could end up biting you in the ass against teams in Sorry about that. Sorry about that. But home court advantage can, can come and, and, and affect teams where, you know, if you play a team like Toronto or, or, or Indiana that can sit down and stop Giannis, now you're talking about not having your crowd behind you to, you know, get a couple extra calls or get the, the, the team going or take the other team out of rhythm. Like home court advantage for, for, for the Bucks was supposed to be one of the, you know, cherry on top to propel them to the finals and the cherry is now missing. The cake still might taste good. It still may be beautiful, but, you know, it's just not as good as it could have been. Yeah, that's who I was rolling with in terms of a team aspect because the biggest loser. And it's the same reason why I picked Tatum. You you couldn't play any better than the way that the Bucks were playing. Likewise with Tatum. So there's only room to go down. They were on a 70-win pace. You literally don't get any better than that. 
And as Chris said, you no longer have home court, right? And just all that momentum, all that play that you had where every single night you went on the court and I felt like I can beat any team by 20, much less win a game. They were looking to wrap games up before the fourth quarter. Kind of similar to what we saw that that uh, Warriors run when they won 72. So, 73. So, to me, I agree as well. Like, you just can't get any better. And once once I acknowledge that there's no – you can't go up, the only way going is down. So, for t- to me, they're one of the biggest losers in all of this because if they don't regain that momentum, that confidence, the way they were playing going into things is just not the same. And they were steamrolling teams. They were roll- night in, night out. Their point differential was ridiculous. And now, brand new season. Anything can happen. That's a fact. I mean, <clears throat> I guess just to round out the topic, my biggest loser um, as a player was J.J. Redick. And it's not because of performance or anything like that. I just feel like this is going to be <laughs> the one season where he doesn't make the playoffs. And I felt like if this was the end of the regular NBA season, Perhaps it would, he would have had a better chance just because the Pelicans would have been more inclined to play Zion. Nah, nah, nah. Well, the way I look at it nah. is like, even if you look at it, like, he's just not, I don't think he's making the playoffs now. Silver rolled up the red carpet, fam. Come on. He rolled up the red carpet, but the Pelicans did it. At least back then, the Pelicans were willing to play Zion somewhat regular minutes. That's true. Now, it's like they have him in bubble wrap. Understandably so, but that comes at the expense of JJ Reddick's. I'm going to say career, but playoff record, I should say. Right? He's going to be whatever it is and one. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, we're about the 25-minute mark, so <clears throat> stay tuned. We'll be right back. We're going to take our first break, and we'll come back and do a couple recaps of the games that went by in the last couple weeks. So stay tuned. And we're back, and we're back, and we're back. So, yeah, we just had a heated discussion, so let's get in, back into it. Um, <clears throat> a lot of basketball has happened since we last spoke. Um, but we're not going to talk about everything. Let's just keep it confined to the Monday and the Tuesday being August 3rd and August 4th. I'm um, just trying to get you guys' takes on some of the performances that you guys seen or anything that stands out to you. I'll start. Um, and again, I might be that guy on the podcast, but nonetheless, I, didn't, I, I really didn't think that Fred Van Vliet was that good. And he definitely shut me up. Him and OG and you know, be like... I even had to apologize when we were watching the game because I just didn't have faith in them. I thought last year was more of a fluke than anything else in terms of their individual performances. But Freddie Van Vliet came out and dropped 36. Let us know that he can play a two-guard. He's bees up. He did everything he could. Two-way player. Made a stop at the end of the game. Like, I have nothing bad to say about that guy anymore. And he really changed my perspective on him, right? And it's not only just because of this one performance, but maybe it just kind of let me know that, like, I need to stop looking at these six-foot point guards like they're less than because they're in the NBA for a reason, right? <clears throat> I don't know if I'm alone on that, but... No, nah, I, I understand what you're saying completely. I think, for me, when I watch Van Vliet, it looks like... I just get the feeling he knows he's a champion. He knows exactly what he did last year when the lights were the absolute brightest. Hey, yo, you, and, can't, teach, you can't teach heart over height. You that's, can't. That's in your, and, that's in your chest. And looking back over the past two years, how many times have you seen Freddie miss a big shot? Rarely. Rarely. Right? And, you don't, again, as Chris said, you don't teach that. Like, he's, he's different, man. And for me, watching him, like, he's, he's by far my favorite rapper because everything he does just looks like he shouldn't be able to do it. The fact he can get to the rim, get to the line, and when he gets to the line, my favorite type of guy, he's not missing. Those are the guys I'll take all day. OG, 
I love what I see from him, just his his versatility. I'm looking for a bit more consistency going forward, but, you know, in our system, in our team, he doesn't have to be that scorer. And I don't know if he ever will be, but even if he's not, that's fine. You're looking at a guy that is far beyond his years and his ability to play defense and his size, again, pause, and his ability to, you know, guard, you know, one through four, maybe even five. So we're, we lost Kawhi, but in terms of guarding Giannis, when, if, if we get to that point, we're primed. We have OG, Serge Ibaka, and Mark Gasol. And if that can't do it, I don't think there's any other team in the NBA that is equipped to do so. Yeah, for me, I hear yeah, I, for me, for me, uh, in terms of my standout um, over the past two days, it has to be Maga Porter, and he's just been so good. I gotta drop the Maga for this discussion. Michael Porter Jr., this you're a demon, like an absolute demon, and that brings me back as a Philly fan. That just brings me back to the Sixers. Like I was watching that draft, and I understand that he had chronic back issues, and I understand that you know nobody could have you know said that he would have even been able to play in terms of, you know, have a career uh, with that back. But at the end of the day, that fit the Philly build, or I should say the hinky build, a successful build that they made us abandon because we were doing it at a stellar rate. They realized that, you know what, the NBA, you know, professional leagues, it's a copycat league. All these leagues love to, co- love to co- copycat things that they see are doing well. So they said, we can't have it. And because of that, we had to kick Hinky out of the door. But at the end of the day, that's a Hinky special. That's a guy that Hinky's drafting. Absolutely. He may, he may have even traded up to get him because he known I would have sat this guy down and this would have been the result if everything works. We're talking about a guy that can score from all three levels. All three levels. He rebounds the ball. He has great size. So now it's just a matter of can he be? Can he find consistency, and can he play the defense that will allow him to play the minutes without killing his team? And that's granted, that though. Gonna be, granted, that's something I'm going to be looking at intentively. Yeah, but I, I just want to say, in terms of the defense, I'm not going to stress too much on that yet because this guy is basically a rookie, right? And I feel like for rookies, we got to give them fast. Yes, he's in a winning situation, so you know it's going to be important for him to do so to be able to stay on the floor. But man, what I see this guy do out there. It's it's extremely clear why this guy was literally the number one recruit coming out of college, coming out of high school. And for me, as Chris alluded to, the, in terms of the draft lottery, I was looking back at this draft lottery where MPJ fell to 14th. And there was no team in that lottery or even near where um, MPJ was picked that had the capacity to do this, that had the talent around them, the abundance of talent where I can take this guy and if he doesn't work out, that's fine. When you operate from that position of flexibility and that position of power, you can take these risks. You can watch a guy fall all the way to you knowing he has absolute game-breaking talent, but if he doesn't play a single NBA game, that's not stopping what you're doing right now. And the only teams that I could think of even near around those places were the Denver Nuggets with their abundance of talent and the Philadelphia 76ers. Look, they drafted MPJ bottom end of the lottery. And in that same season where he did not play, they had their best year. They won 60-plus games. So for me, it's I'm excited. I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm not too stressed about the defense. This guy can shoot. He's big. And I like the fact that he's rebounding. You know, 
despite playing on the perimeter, it shows me something that he, he has some type of heart. And there were some questions about his motor coming out of college. I think that's still, you know, that's still left to be seen. We don't know what he's going to look like as a finished product. But in terms of a rookie, going into the playoffs, he might be one of the biggest winners because, again, momentum. Right now he's on top of the world and he's winning games on a winning team that kind of needs his offense right now with guys out. It's a fact. <clears throat> so, I mean, like, I watched Porter and, like, again, I was a critic earlier on, but I'm a firm believer that hindsight is always twenty twenty because at the time, as you said again, like, there wasn't a lot of teams that had the liberty of making that, that risky of a decision, right? We didn't want another Bruno Cabaco situation, but... But, yo, but, yo, but, yo, Robs, I remember me and you being in the Jack Astors watching the lottery, and I was, like, seeing MPJ fall, and I was saying, yo, bro, Philly, we're grabbing him. Like, we're actually grabbing that. Like, but I was, at that point, like, I was still in the hinky, the hinky mindset, like, I I fully bought into the tanking process, one hundred and ten percent. But your team, your team was blessed if you took him. Like that's the thing, right? Your team had if if he didn't play a game for you guys, you guys would still be where you are right now. Because who did you and draft? Zaire Williams, we, right? No, nah, no, nah, we drafted Miles Bridges, and then we ended up trading to get Zaire Williams. Right, and so, that man has, has that man even played one hundred minutes? Played. All right, so I'm even saying, played. but so you guys have been saying. fine. But yo, we did that move trying to get smart. We were. Trying Kind of like, you know, oh, it's time to win now. So, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're trying to win now. Like, nah, bro. Like, stick to so, the plan. So, hold on. Stick to how, the does, plan. how does Mikhail Bridges end up in Phoenix? So, no, no. We drafted we drafted um Mikhail Bridges. And then when he was there, because his mom is actually is a, is a member of the front office or it, to some capacity, front office media, whatever it is. And she's doing the interview saying, you know, I'm so happy that my son is here. And then they traded him 10 minutes later. And what they did was they traded him to go to move backwards in the draft, right? And no, not move backwards in the draft. They traded him to, they gave the pick away and then they got a Miami draft pick, a first okay. rounder. Okay. And then that first rounder, they ended up trading away to, I believe it was the Clippers during the Tobias Harris deal. So like, we just did so much win now moves when all we had to do was just sit down and just draft. MPJ and relax. That's all we had to do. Yeah, but again, looking back now, looking back now, that's literally what your team has been on. Like, these win now moves and just... Ever since they kicked my guy out of office. Yeah, yeah, that's facts, though. They, they they ruined the team. That's facts, though. They fumbled. They yeah, because <laughs> that's we were, even isn't that last pod? Office. Isn't that last pod? We were just on this. No, but was it a couple <laughs> pods ago. No, no, I'm not saying. I'm when I say ruin the team, I'm not saying that they they can't win a championship. Yeah, of course, year. of course. What I'm but... saying, ruin the team. I'm talking about Hinky would have had us positioned for years to come. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Sucks. Now, now we're now we're in a window. That's what they did. We we went from not having a window to placing a window on when we can do this. Right, and it's fact. all because they kicked a, kicked my you, guy out of office. You had a ten year timeline. Realistically, you had time. You had time to try things, make sure they work. Like. And instead, since now we're looking at, you know, Al Horford coming off the bench, <laughs> making thirty mil. No Robert yeah. Covington. You have Robert All Covington we... playing center on the on the on the Rockets. Can you imagine? I'm sick, fam. I'm sick. Wow, that's it's all because you still have Covington. Be- that is mod. <laughs> it, it's all because they 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 realized that Hinky was doing it too well, fam. It was it was like. He I'm was just in, doing something. I'm not into the conspiracies. Though. He was doing something that's too it. well, and the NBA said no. The NBA but, said we can't allow it. No, that's that was okay. Let's let's be honest though. That was part of it, but another part of it was he was manipulating the rules and the guidelines in the CBA to 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 his owner's advantage. 
So, so what's was, his, so what's his job? Not to use no 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 no. But he was breaking rules because how was he breaking rules? One of the rules that he broke was that he was literally trying to stay under the threshold that of minimum salary cap. On yeah, he was. He was. And that so was what? not allowed because he's not, not allowed. He's not allowed. He's not. It's not allowed. No, but that's not allowed for that's a reason. It's just not allowed. That was his. That was his job before. Like his job was to manage the cap before he took he over was the GM. The rules he was putting. If oh the cap is fifty million, we're talking about rules. I don't know what we're doing. Yeah, Tom, like, don't even bother. Still, don't anyways, even bother. Let's move. Forward. Like we're talking rules, fam. Like we're not arguing whether it's right or wrong. We're talking. He broke the rule. But anyways, let's move forward. Um. One person I wanted to shout out uh, was Bam Adebayo. Um, I really have a newfound respect for this guy. Like, I knew he was an all-star, and I know this may not mean much when I say it, but, like, Bam is nice. Like, he's not just a, a pick-and-roll, <laughs> catch-the-lob center. Like, he's nice. Like, no, 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 no. And when I say that, I mean, like, at first, like, going into the – before the bubble ended, I should say, he's like, I had this idea of Bam. It's like, you're a great pick-and-roll big. You can facilitate a little bit. You could do things on offense that the conventional big can't do. But, like, now I'm looking at Bam. I'm like, you might be an all-NBA center for years to come. Like, you have Bam. something special Bam. that wasn't Bam. before. Bam I don't even see Bam as a pick-and-roll guy. Take it in. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Bam just fits the narrative of all Kentucky players, literally. Like, you, you think you're drafting one thing, and then you get them. And it's Let's tread lightly like, on Kentucky like, narrative, eh? Because there's some bust Bam, but that's there. what it is. No, but Devin Booker, Tyler that's Hero. The only, like, De- De- Devin Booker's the fire, only guy like, I'll give it to. I don't know about nah, Tyler Hero. Nah, he's doing what cat, I thought he was. Cat, Cat, Because Cat was not shooting in college like that. Fam, you fam, you draft these players and you're like, say word you can do this. Say oh, word right. you can so do let's, that. Let's talk about the ones that you draft and say word you can't do this. Say word you can't do that. Kevin Knox. <laughs> okay. I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, if we write down all the names that have proven it versus Malik all the names Monk. that have not say word. It, hey, I say word you can't shoot we, the ball. We say word you can't stay off the draft. James Young. <laughs> you, fam, you don't want me to get into the stars that come out of the boogie, Eric Bledsoe, uh, John Wall. Anthony Davis, I, yo, we 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 will be here for days if I start naming names. So hey, I won't even night. Say word, you can't stay off a poster. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a big fact. There's no way you guys are talking about the All Star. Hey, hey, that's who we talking hey. about. Not the All right. Yeah, but hey, I, I was the one that was riding the bandwagon here at the end of the season. I'm telling you guys, this guy is legit and. I don't see. I don't know how he's gonna get any better. Like I can't visualize it, but I know he is. That's kind of what it is for me. Like what he's doing out there is is nuts, and the league is the league's in good hands, man. Good hands. Uh, like the amount of talent around the league, even you know, it doesn't just stop. It doesn't just start at John Zion. You have guys, you know, a couple years in right now that are doing absolute. That they're on a on a mate, like essentially, and. I don't know. Again, I'm excited. I'm excited to have ball back. That's all, that's all I can say, really. Do you guys have any other winners or losers that you want to get into? How do you guys feel about the, the Mavericks? That's one I, I'm kind of curious about. Um, my take on the Mavericks is this. I feel like Luka's one of those players where you can tell he's different because he's putting up numbers, but his team's also winning. However, I don't have faith in the roster around him. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I feel like, obviously, for years to come, I have faith in Mark Cuban to put a competent roster around him. But I'm just saying, for right now, I don't know if the pieces that he has with him are going to help him in the playoff hunt. Like, I, like, I disagree. He has an, a, a roster around him. What I think it comes down to is, can Luka do it in the clutch? When you look at their, the, their um, five minutes and under and the amount of games they lose in the clutch moments or in clutch minutes in the last five minutes of games. Like, come on, bro. Like, you have Luke and KP. Like, 
that's what it boils down to. Can you win close games? And if you can't win close games, you won't win in the playoffs. And that's what they're showing us right now. But that now. goes back to the roster, though. That goes back nah, to the roster. Uh, that's a young team, man. Exactly. That's, that's, that's just a young team. Like, that's what young teams do, to be honest. As good as you can, like, as good as you are, that's what young teams do. We saw Philly, like, for, like, two years prior. Like, if they were up 20, you knew the team was coming back. You knew they were blowing leagues. They weren't the best team in the clutch. It's just young teams, I think. Again, I'm trying to I'm trying to be cautious of you know putting too much on these young players just because we know they're great, but expecting them to be able to do everything. I I honestly don't think that roster is very good outside of Kristaps Porzingis. Like, who are we talking about right now? Dorian Finney Smith has been getting year, has been getting minutes for years, and I swear to you, I have no idea why. And but, aside from Seth Curry, here, I think he's great off the bench. But Go guys, but, but what we're talking about is a team with an overall offense that. Their offensive rating is is on historic terms. So as bad as you may think the supporting cast are or is, at the end of the day, when you look at the numbers on offense, they're incredible. And that same offense in clutch moments breaks down and it dissolves and they lose. So I'm just saying, like, I'm gonna have to put that on the on the feet of the leaders on the team, being Luca and Zinger. Because if you guys can do it in the totality of the game, but you guys can't do it when it really matters, what are we talking about? To play That's devil's advocate, still. that is fair. But to play devil's advocate, I would also say that like we have to also understand if they're having a historic offense, you do have to give a large credit to Luca and KP, understandably so. But then they could just be propping up players that are below league average, right? And if you gave them league average, if not better players, imagine where they could be. Because again, look at that roster; it's not screaming talent. They could they can be historic like they already are. <laughs> no, but no, my point is they're historic now with subpar players. Okay, imagine so continue, if you give them semi-competent so, so players continue, where they can be. Continue, continue to be historic when it actually matters. That's all I'm asking them to do. Historically on offense. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're always going to win games. Fam, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win games. You, you don't understand how bad they are in the clutch. Like, they're top five in losses in clutch moments. They're, they, they, that's ridiculous. You should not be. You should not be top five with an offense like that in clutch moments because that means that you're not able to get buckets when it matters. And an offense that has historic numbers in totality shouldn't struggle to get buckets when it actually matters, especially not with shooters like Luka and KP. I understand Luka's not the greatest three-point shooter and he does it more through volume. But in terms of tough shot making, come on, like Luka should be able to do it. And maybe that's giving him too much credit, but this is a guy that people tell me he's top five, top 10 in the league. So do it, just do it. Okay, well, I don't know about shooters, though. I don't know if shooter is the right word because KP ain't exactly a shooter, quote-unquote. But um, at any rate, I don't know. I didn't really have any more hot takes or anything else regarding these last couple of days. I mean, like, it's been pretty good. Um, everybody's kind of doing their thing, getting into the groove of things. Obviously, we know Anthony Davis went off for 42. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, my boy, went off for 33. Um, Brandon Ingram had a game. Jaron Jackson, unfortunately, got hurt but still dropped 22. And then, obviously, we discussed TJ Warren. Um, did you guys have anything else you wanted to get off your chest before we wrap it up? No, I'm good. Take us out, Brody. Take us out. <clears throat> and there we go. So, once again, hard report, man. We're talking all things basketball. Glad we had this discussion today. A lot of things we had to get off our chest. Um, come back with that consistent content twice a week. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe on YouTube. And whatever streaming platform you're listening to. We're on Spotify, 
Apple Music is going. Apple Podcasts is on its way. Google Podcasts, we're on that. Himalaya, Stitcher, we're on all the streaming platforms. Make sure you like. Make sure you give us a high rating. Make sure you give us a thumbs up. Whatever it is, just make sure it's positive, man. And leave your comments and feedback. I can't stress that enough. We need to know if we need to get better, what we can improve on. I would say try to keep it as nice as possible. Obviously, these guys don't care. Um, leave whatever you want to leave so that we can at least absorb it and give you back what reflected in the future pods. But um, at any rate, it was a nice discussion. Uh, this is the Harvard Report, man. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, and everything you do. I'm going to give it to Chris to take us out. What should they do? Y'all shouldn't hoard a good thing, man. Don't hoard a good thing. Distribute that. Share it. Let the streets have it. I don't know about letting the streets have it, but anyways, make nah, sure you nah, share nah, it out nah, there. Nah. We're trying to be in the streets. <laughs> hey, like, hey, we're flooding the streets. We're trying to be, there'll be, hey, to be, be there'll be no droughts on our watch. Just know that. Anyways, no, in all honesty, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, and do all the good things and never hoard a good thing. Make sure you share that to many people as possible so we can get that podcast out and about. And um, <clears throat> until next time, make sure you guys stay locked and then look out for our future content. So we'll talk to you guys. Take care.